number two, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown tent. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sports at 960 to fan. No Rose. Julian McKenzie in for one more day from the Athletic. Maddie's in Italy. We're at the corner of 9th and 3rd Southwest at Turtle Park ahead of the Stampede Parade. Um, It's getting all set up. The chairs are being laid out by our incredible staff here at all three radio stations. And we got a busy show. We also got stuff to give away. Tickets to all 10 days of the Badlands Music Festival. Julian and I are Stampede Virgins. We want to get your um, help. Give us a do and a don't for Stampede. 960-960, name and location. The best text is going to win tickets to all 10 days of the Badlands Music Festival. And we got the Speargrass Golf Show coming up at 8.30. Mm-hmm. We also got a round of golf for four at Speargrass Golf Course. Wow. Lots of stuff to give away today. No, that's, this, is, this is a stacked Friday. It is a stacked Friday. Um, also, Brendan Parker, Flames TV, at the bottom of the hour. Give us some deets on the development camp for the Flames down at Windsport. But right now, from NHL Daily Faceoff, our man, Mr. Frank Cervalli. Good morning, sir. How are you on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline? I am good, and frankly, I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, you know, it's, uh... Stampede has been Stampede has been on my bucket list for a mm. long time, and it's it's a shame that I haven't been able to make it there to this point. How about next year, Frank? And we'll really get after it. How's that? Only only if I'm an invited guest of George Russell. Okay, wow. Oh. All right, done. You need the invites. Uh, do you want to uh do you yeah. want to um you want to bunk can't at my go place? Alone. Yeah. yeah that's fair. Oh. You can sleep I over, mean, Frank. Look, it won't get weird. I wouldn't invite myself, but I'm just Okay, saying, yeah. Like it, you can, you can if it were to be extended, I I would be interested. All right, let's do it. Um that would be super fun. Um at this point of the year, how busy is your phone? when it comes to NHL rumors and stuff. Is it a lot quieter now, Frank? Is it really winding down for you? A lot busier than it used to be. Like, it it used to be that you could kind of July 2nd, July 3rd, begin to put your phone down. And now with all of the players that are lingering out there that need extensions for next year and have been on the trade block for a few weeks or months, it's still somewhat active, and in fact, I think we could see a pretty active month of July all the way through. So, oh. dev camps still ongoing, obviously, and and once those wrap, you're dealing with you know general managers that need to get down to business. Well, I see insiders who around this time they're starting to go to their cottages, their chalets, whatever you want to call it. For when Frank Valley, when it's time for him to get his downtime, where are you going? What are you doing? So we go to the Jersey Shore, and not like the Jersey Shore, like the situation in that yeah. group. Uh, right. A much more quiet Jersey Shore, and uh, yeah, those are those are the best times. Um, when it comes to Elias Lindholm, obviously that's that's the one situation. I I obviously want to get uh, your take on what you've heard recently, but do you really think the Flames are going to do this again uh, this year, like kind of history repeating itself that one of the key players in the organization is heading into his UFA season and 
We don't really, as of today, and that could change by later today, I don't know, but there's not a, a resolution on whether or not he's going to sign long-term, if he's going to get traded. you think the Flames are comfortable having that guy heading into the season with an expiring deal? To be honest, no. Um, I, I don't think they're comfortable with that situation. In fact, I don't think they're really that comfortable with a number of different situations. And that's why at this moment in time, they're holding out hope that they're not going to be in that situation, that they can convince Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund and others to re-up and stay. That the one, well, aside from Noah Hannafin, the one piece that really was, I guess, I don't want to say giving them the hardest time, but the most clear indication that not only did he not want to re-sign with the Calgary Flames, but didn't want to be back next season, and the one piece they had to offload was Tyler Toffoli. And once you figured that out, everything else sort of quieted down. And Noah Hannafin has made it clear, like, this has been really amicable. Um, Although he's not going to be re-signing, he's perfectly comfortable in Calgary playing out the year and seeing what happens. So that obviously isn't ideal on that front either, but at least when it comes to Lindholm and Backlund, the Flames are holding out hope that they'll be able to get something done. And, you know, I guess for me, the biggest question is, since you've rolled out the red carpet a month ago now, it feels like, um, even though it's not quite been that long, since you've made what you believe is a really significant and fair offer why hasn't it been signed what's the hold up what's the wait and i guess more to the point if you've done what you feel like is your best then at what point is that going to be good enough to get the player to put pen to paper What's worst-case scenario for Elias Lindholm, um, Frank? Is it this team's in a playoff spot at the deadline and they have to trade him because they can't lose him for free? I think that's the worst-case scenario for the Flames, yes. And at that point, what you're probably looking at is similar to what happened with Johnny Gaudreau. How do you pry a piece off of a playoff team? You don't. You don't even think about it. You essentially just meander your way through the playoffs and whatever that looks like however deep or short that run is you live with what the consequences are on the other side which again going back to your earlier question is why this needs to be addressed sooner rather than later in in the case of of elias lindholm we know with what he's his track record has given him and he could likely ask for a contract north of 8.5 million 9 million if you were to play the role of Flames GM for a second, would you want to extend Elias Lindholm at that rate or something north of that? $8.5 million, $8.75 million, $9 million? I think, Julian, there's a, a ceiling to the ask. And, in fact, like I don't think that Lindholm or his representatives – are making this about money. Like, I I don't think it can be about money. The Flames recognize that they may need to pay, I think, a slight premium in order to keep him. But there were some rumors floating out there a few weeks ago. Oh, he's going to have to get to 10 million or 10 and a half million. And I can tell you with a pretty strong degree of certainty that the Calgary Flames aren't paying him anywhere near that amount at some point 
there's just a number that it's not going to exceed. My guess is it's probably not much higher than nine, that if they really needed to stretch and get there, the difference between eight, seven, five, and nine, you probably swallow hard and keep the player and and make a strong statement again to your market and to your fan base that this is someone that you believe you can help build a contender around. But short of, you know, not short of that, north of that, you're dealing with a number that I think makes everyone mostly uncomfortable. And I also think with full respect to Elias Lindholm and the career that he's put together, it's probably more than the market at large would bear. I say that um, knowing that it only takes one team, that if Dylan Larkin or if Bo Horvat were have potentially made it to market this summer, maybe that number does start with a nine and we're all of a sudden having a different conversation and the market price is different than the price to keep. I, I recognize all those things. I just think that with this player, with his style of game, with the sort of, I don't even think it's fair to say erratic production, but there have been some seasons where the production isn't quite where you'd want it to be when you're talking about that type of price range, that it does begin to get uncomfortable. Frank, we had a little bit of fun before you came on the air. I want to ask you the question I asked the I'm guys shocked. earlier. Well, sometimes. <laughs> um, wanted to ask you, uh, over the next two seasons, uh, which contract is going to have more value, Kopitar at $7 million for two years or Elias Lindholm at 85 to $9 million? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say probably Kopitar. I mean, he turns 36 this season, so that buys years 37 and 38. Here's the thing is, if you're looking just based on production, and obviously there's never been a drop-off in terms of Kopitar's sort of complete game, um, He's, again, top five in Selkie voting this year. What you're looking at is a guy who's not really experienced much drop-off at all. You know, had a 50-point season in 56 games a couple years ago. And then this year, 74 points, touching almost 30 goals for the first time since 2018. For $7 I'd imagine that with the cap going up, Two seasons from now, you're probably looking at, I think it's $92 million based on the way the formula is. Probably pretty significant value there. Frank Cervalli, NHL Insider Daily Faceoff, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose with McKenzie, 960 The Fan. Uh, Frank, how is the pool for Noah Hannafin maybe a little more shallow than what we think it is? Or is there a, a, a good chunk of teams that are still interested in him? No, I think there's a good chunk of teams that would still be interested. I think part of what you're dealing with now, since you're on the back end of free agency, is there's a vast chunk of the cap space allotted that's already been spent. You're looking at probably 95 96% of the cap that's already been spent. Um, and it's actually probably even larger than that when you're dealing with cash over cap, um, that you, you you begin to run into those issues. But I think for the right team with the right fit, what you're looking at is a player sub 5 million bucks that you'd be willing to carve out a piece
piece or two on your own lineup in order to make something happen if cap space really is an issue. So um, I think maybe that's my one real surprise about how this last month has unfolded for the Flames, that armed with the knowledge that Hannafin wouldn't be re-signing, I, I figured they'd slow play Lindholm. I figured Backlund, they're going to really, like, they're really confident that they can, you know, kind of turn that decision around and and find a way to get something done with their longest tenured player. I don't know if those two things will happen, but knowing that we Noah Hannafin's not re-signing long-term, I guess I'm surprised that that wasn't one of those things that was sort of dealt with during draft week to really kind of set the compass and remove at least a little bit of the heat heading into next year. And Frank, I'm still really intrigued about what that trade market is going to, to be for Noah Hannafin. You mentioned the fact that I, too, thought it was, uh, during draft week that was going to happen. But since then, we've seen a, a team like Buffalo try to add some pieces of depth uh, on their defensive side. A team like Florida, I mean, yes, they add – I mean, even the pieces are not necessarily like the quality of, of Noah Hannafin. That's, the cap, we still have to account for that, right? And those were places, Buffalo, Florida, even Pittsburgh, they were able to get Ryan Graves at a much cheaper rate than what uh, Noah Hannafin is going to get for next year. Those are at least three teams I could think of that maybe would have made sense for a Noah Hannafin trade, and they've at least tried – tried to address their defensive uh, woes or issues, however you want to label them, over the next little while. I'm still curious about what teams could really be in with the cap being what it is, with the recent draft being behind us, and and just Calgary just in the situation that they're in. It's a good question, and I think it's a fair question. I would say there's still probably a handful of teams that you could see making sense. Um Nashville probably still has some money to spend if they wanted to. Still trying to figure out exactly how competitive the Preds think they are or what, where they are with their retool, because that's clearly what it's been when everyone was saying, oh, this is going to be a rebuild. Um, I wonder about Detroit and the spot that they're in. Yes, they've added some defensemen during free agency and still need to account for, you know, Mo Sider's position and all of that. Um, they're a team that I think is, is kind of, I'm kind of curious about, um, you know, what happens with the New Jersey devils? They've still got some business to do. Um, what happens with the Montreal Canadians go through the list? Like there are still teams that are looking for defensemen that, um, I think would like to try and make improvements in that area that if they need to, like I said, would have to get creative to pull something off. And I just think the market and the time to do it was draft week. And I guess I'm surprised there wasn't more urgency in that department. Uh, also, you know, we're talking about how, you know, it'd be very uncomfortable for, for the flames to enter next season with Elias Lindholm still in need of a contract. Noah Hannafin may be a little bit more mm-hmm. comfortable, but it is kind of funny to think, you know, we've, we've headlined those guys and Michael Backlund is still out there too. This is a player who has meant so much to the city of Calgary. He's played over 900 games in this market. And, and I'm really curious if a contending team picks him up and if a return is probably going to be like, you know, maybe a draft pick or, or, or level prop or just a, a B or C level prospect, who knows? But I'm really curious about what the, if it's a ticking time bomb with, with Michael Backlund too, or what that situation is with him. Cause we haven't really hyped him up compared to what the situation has been with Noah Hannafin. And of course with Elias Lindholm. 
Yeah, I think that's one of those situations where even if you're like, let's say things had gone south and it became really nasty and the flames, you know, gun to their head, had to make a move today to move Michael Backlund. I think the truth is on the open market, coming off of a career year, essentially 56 points last year, I think at his age, a lot of people are curious and or questioning, can he do it again? And what does the next contract look beyond this one? Obviously, the Flames uh, term, I think, has been one of the big sticking points with them, uh, with some of these guys that are in their 30s. And perhaps that kind of you know, rubs some people the wrong way, I think, is fair to say. But when it comes to Backlund now moving forward, if you're dealing with pick whatever round draft pick it is, he'd have to have essentially a season next year like he had this past one. And the Flames would have to be out of the mix in order for him to really present some kind of value to you on the trade market. Because I think basically what I'm saying is when you're, when you're looking at the Backlund situation – I think he has more value to you in your current you know, mode of trying to be competitive and make the playoffs than he does if you were to be on another team and you have a, you know, a, a second or third round draft pick in your fold. Frank, what are guys like Chris Tanev and Nikita Zadorov worth, you think, on the trade market? Well, I think when you look at Tanev's, in particular, um, I think he's one of those guys that, especially in Calgary, you, you've seen the impact of when he's in and out of the lineup and how different this Flames team looks and how different it seems like they defend. Um, I think there's you know pretty considerable value there. I think Zadorov is more of a, you know, I think he's someone that has grown a lot in Calgary, and I think He's one of those players that really got a big bump from playing under Daryl Sutter. And you remember the first part of his tenure there, healthy scratch, and Daryl Sutter really worked with him to find his game again and what makes him successful in in today's NHL. I think with the increased, um, I would say, focus on size on the back end, Zadaroff is someone that would definitely have um, interest out there, but it's someone that I think what you're dealing with is the right fit, right scenario, right situation that, you know, I think you're, you're looking on a lesser scale, obviously, than the impact that Gavrikov got in L.A., but really not all that dissimilar in terms of overall impact on the game. Um, Frank, real quick, too, uh, is this Alex Dabrinkit situation going to get solved sooner than later, or this is going to drag out into the season? I think the Sens are really looking to make something happen well before this arbitration date, whenever the schedule is set. Um, You're talking, like, first 10 days of August, so just about a month from now. Um, are when arbitration awards are due. They do not want to go down that path, I don't think, of having to go through ARB and bring back an unhappy player that wants to play somewhere else, especially one that's been through the trade circuit. 
I think there was a lot of speculation and innuendo yesterday after the Zadina um, mutual contract termination that frees up just in a little additional more amount of cap space for the, the wings. I don't think Detroit is the only team in the mix. I think by a wide stretch, there's probably three to four that have been following this situation pretty closely. But I think one of the big things that teams are wrestling with is what is Alex Dabrinkit's true contract value? Like, what does that number really look like? We know what the qualifying offer is. We know what his production's been like. We know that last year was maybe a little bit of a surprise in the point production, but disappointing in the goal-scoring department. The problem for Alex Dabrinkit is he's a complimentary piece, not a driver. And when you start getting into a spot on your team when you're paying guys eight and a half, whatever the number is, eight and a quarter, to be complimentary pieces, I think you begin to get in trouble in a hurry. And I think that's one thing that has perhaps limited his market in some ways is you need someone with him that can help squeeze every drop out of the talented skill set that he has. Um, one other situation we have to ask about, I'm, I'm, I'm very confused, to be quite honest with you, and I'm really glad you're here to explain this. The John Gibson situation in Anaheim. Uh, there's a report out there that it seemed like he wanted to leave Anaheim, and then his uh, uh, Kurt Overhart, his agent, puts out a whole statement saying that there's a false claim, which that's that's pretty much out there. And then you have to clap back at him on, on Twitter uh, you know, show your receipts. And you know what? Hey, I got to give you points for showing your receipts, Frank. But, like, where are we at on, on John Gibson in, in Anaheim, like, with that entire situation? Well, it's abundantly obvious, and I thought it was really odd that Kurt Overhart's statement didn't address one of the previous things that I had reported a month ago, six weeks ago, that Gibson has requested a trade. So no one's disputing the fact that he wants to go somewhere else. There's been some dispute in terms of the language used to express that. But nonetheless, I think what it points out is the situation that is simmering. And I'm really confident in where I got my information from. Um, it points out a situation that the Ducks have been done a pretty good job of keeping a lid on. That's been simmering for not just the last couple months, but really going back a calendar year. The frustration is boiling over for John Gibson because he, he's a competitor and he wants a chance to win. And when you play for the Anaheim Ducks as they're going through this arduous rebuild, it's really difficult to show up to the rink every night basically knowing that you have no chance to win. And, oh, by the way, let me sign up to get pelted by 40 pucks a night. Oh, my God, it's yes. It's not a fun situation to be in. And I think I kind of go back to Roberto Luongo and, and the spot that he was in with the Canucks. Kind of like that contract is a blessing and a curse. It's nice to have that change in your pocket, but it also really sucks that that contract is essentially what is keeping you tied down to your current situation when you'd like to go somewhere else. Here's the other wrinkle that's been there with the Ducks and Gibson is they're not willing to just give him away. It's not just, hey, will you take John Gibson's contract off of our hands? No. Last summer it was, we think this is a marquee goalie. We've got a number, you know, we want 
a number one pick plus plus, they still want something of value for John Gibson in order to move on from him. And that's a pretty tough spot to be in with that contract that as much as resolution may be wanted, I don't, I just don't see it coming anytime soon. Uh, Frank Saravalli, NHL insider for Daily Faceoff. Frank, always a pleasure. Uh, we look forward to you making appearance next year at uh, Stampede. But just a heads up, I have to be Big Spoon, okay? <laughs> okay, all right. All right. I don't know that I've ever really been a Little Spoon, but sure. And, yeah, uh, you can, you can nestle in and be nice. Well, I'm, nice glad, moment. I'm glad I have no part in any of this. <laughs> I'll just see you, uh, I'll yeah. just see you at Stampede, yeah. Frank. All right, sounds good, and uh, stay hydrated, boys. All right, we will. Thanks, pal. There he is, Frank Saravalli on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. Straight ahead, Brendan Parker, Flames TV host. He'll talk about um, development camp, which is ongoing down at Winsport, and uh, we'll also mix in. Some text messages from our Sportsnet 960, the fan texturing robot Texty McTexterson, as we're giving away tickets to all 10 days of the Badlands Music Festival. Help Julian and I out for Stampede. Give us a doom and a don't for Stampede. 960, 960, name and location. It's all straight ahead. It's the big show. On location, Russick and Rose, no Rose and McKenzie. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown Tent. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan, we're at the corner of 9th and 3rd Southwest, right at Turtle Park, as we await the start of the uh, Stampede, Stampede Parade. Almost heard a little bit of twang in your voice. Yeah, I... Uh, Stampede! Yeah, I am very country, you know that. Um, we need... we Julian and I, we need your help. Uh, it's our first Stampede. Uh, we're giving away tickets to all 10 days of the Badlands Music Festival. We're asking you on the text line, 960-960, name and location, give us a do for the stampede and a don't. And, Julian, I'm going to I'm gonna put it on you. you oh, got to pick the winner yes. again today. All right. 960-960, name and location. I think we'll mix in a few text messages after we speak to Brendan Parker. That's a good idea. I think we'll do that. Let's do that. Um, and we'll talk to um, David Pinota. Uh, Editor-in-chief, the fourth period at the top of the next hour. Had an interesting Dan Vladar tweet yesterday. We want to get into that and do some more trade rumors because that's super fun. Oh, especially around this time of year? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Speargrass Golf Show to wrap up uh, the week. But right now, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Flames TV host, Brendan Parker. Good morning. How are you? Morning, fellas. How are we? We're good. Can you give us a do and a don't for Stampede? Oh, I do. Well... I mean, for me, it's always got to be uh, you got to get you got to get to the rodeo. I'm going to put two in there, but I'll I'll, I'll put it okay. under one umbrella. It's, yep. it's the rodeo and the chalks uh, for me. I got to mm. get there at least once a year. I, I'm working this year uh, again with Calgary Stampede, so I'll be there all ten nights for the chuck wagon. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lean more towards the wagons. Okay, they roll at 8 p.m. every night. And uh, and it's a perfect way to kick off your evening. You come for uh, for a couple hours down at the grandstand show, stick around for that, and then uh, and then you can hit the tents. You can do whatever you want after. So that's your do. I like it. And uh, your don't is, you know, I'll say anything with like an insect on it, like food wise. Oh. I would say like crickets. Um, mm. That that's always a hard no for me. If oh. I don't care if they're chocolate covered, salted deep pride um mm. yeah i'm just gonna stick away from that i think they had grasshopper pizza one year uh, what really yeah, no I'm gonna, I'm gonna parks no oh yeah. 
Yeah. Really grasshopper. That'll be my no. Nah, there are a lot of things I would do in life before I ever entertain the thought of eating grasshoppers on a pizza. Gross. I mean, you, you don't know. I mean, I guess you, you never know. They could be really good. I, I don't yeah. know. I just I, I refuse to find out. High in protein? I don't know. I George, don't know. give him hope. No. no. Um, uh, speaking of hope and new beginnings, uh, how fun is it to do the uh, development camp, Brendan? Well, it's good. You know, this is uh, – I, I always like this time of year because um, – you know, obviously you're fresh off a draft, especially when you get to go to one in person, as now Julian can attest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you've, you're there, you're kind of, you know, you witness these moments where uh, these guys have their dreams come true, and then it's kind of like this. Uh, I think it was uh, Sam Hansen that was saying, you know, he, he's done a lot of traveling since then, and it's kind of set in, but, you know, there's the wind-down effect, and you, you talk to family and friends, and now it kind of feels like the start of the real journey. I mean, we all know that the draft is just the very first part of it if you want to become a National Hockey Leaguer. Um, and, and this kind of seems like that next wave. I mean, they're going to set you up with your plan now. You're going to get, you know, some really good hands-on uh, on-ice instruction, but a lot of good stuff off the ice, too. And I think probably more importantly than uh, the on-ice stuff because guys are kind of at different levels of their, their summer programs right now. I think I think it's the off-ice stuff. It's kind of the communication with the club. And then for those drafted guys, it's really their first opportunity to, you know, to kind of get, get into the program and um, and, and kind of see what, what the, the NHL is all about. And, um, you know, I think, you know, you get to see a few good free agent guys too, some, some tryout guys that come in. Uh, but but more than anything, it's it's kind of the excitement level of guys coming into a development camp for the first time. And I don't care, you know, where you are uh, in your development. The fact that you get to come, you know, wear a National Hockey League sweater, put those colors on, it's a big deal. And I think you see that throughout uh, throughout the camp. Um, I want to ask about Samuel Hanzek, uh, the Flames' first round pick from last week. Uh, one thing I remember from Todd Button uh, when I when I spoke to him a couple weeks ago is that they wanted to fill out the size and skill portion of their prospect pool, and they felt they were able to get that in a player in, in Sam Hanzek, who is supposed to have both. Uh, we know in the, in the uh, the evaluation from yesterday, it's only you only get to see so much, and it's not like in a three on three or a game situation where you really get to see them play in those types of situations. But in the limited amount of time we got to see Sam Hanzek, I was I was curious about your impressions of him with the second unit yesterday. Yeah, and I think I think that's that's for sure what stands out. I mean, um, it, it was interesting because before uh, the second skate started, they were doing some some uh, speed skating with uh, Danielle Fujia, Calgary Flames uh, power skating coach, and she's she's so good about you know kind of giving guys something that, to key on, and they were working on some of their edge work, and um, you know he's a, he's a big guy, and and you see the hands throughout the drills, but but I think his skating's really good too, and I think that's. That's one. I mean, obviously, there's areas for every guy, and that's that's going to be part of this process. But um, you know, there's some power there, and, and this is going to be a guy that's still got you know some uh, some opportunity to kind of hone those skills in. But you know, you can see it's clear uh, that the hands and 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 that the skill is there too. Um, it's just that there was uh, you know I think it was there was three or four guys uh, working on the on the skating ahead of time, and you know, Luke uh, Lucas Yona was one of them, and it was just mm-hmm. there was there's a big man coming in there. And I think, uh, as you talked about, that's, that was an area that you wanted to address, not at the expensive scale though. And, and then you get a guy that's got that combination, you know, it's exciting because, uh, you know, I think there's, there's an opportunity there to, to see a guy that can really, you know, grow into that body and, and, and obviously become a real good player. Um, so, you know, it's limited. I'm not going to put too much stock into it, but for sure you can watch the video 
and just kind of seeing what this guy can do with the puck. You know, it's clear that skill is there, and now it's just trying to, you know, kind of combine those two things. Have you gotten to like getting to know him a little bit more beyond uh, seeing what you've seen off the on the ice in terms of just his personality, just what he's with his story? Like, can you give him, can you give fans a sense of what he's like? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I spent uh, you know a little bit of time with him uh, just just prior uh, or just after he was drafted, but prior to kind of uh, you know finishing the night at, at the draft and. You know, uh, you know, really mild-mannered, uh, you know, kid, but but super respectful. And I think one thing that stood out to me, and I, I don't know if this is even out there, but you know, I at one point asked him, kind of near the end of the draft, um, you know, if ha- it, it, if his phone had been buzzing the whole time, because you know, there's stations that they go through, you know, after the draft, after they're selected, it's kind of like the car wash, and you got to take headshots and you do answers and you do some social media stuff. And uh, and I asked him if his phone had been going off, and he just said, uh, "You know what? No, I left my phone with my parents. I just kind of wanted to, you know, enjoy this as as the moments would go on and just kind of stay in the moment." I thought that was that was pretty cool. Um, you know, just a kid that's kind of super cerebral and understands the moment and the significance of it, but but also super determined and, and a guy that you know you really do kind of get the sense that. Obviously, it's his dream as it is for everybody, but he he's going to find a way to make that dream a reality because he's kind of done that already through his career. You know, he's made some sacrifices. He's moved over, you know, to North America. He's been away from his family for a long time, uh, only the short visits from them coming over to see him in Vancouver and then obviously mm-hmm. for the draft. You know, he he's, he's made those sacrifices. He's determined to be a player. And, you know, I think you get that sense. One other quick story, and I'll share this. Um, of course. You know, uh, our... So our, our social, or our, our PR wizard, uh, obviously Peter Peter Hanlon was there, and uh, Sean Kelso was one of the guys that was going around with him after the first round. And uh, Sean mentioned to me that uh, that afterwards he got a text, you know, after everything had calmed down and the evening finished up from Sam, just thanking him for for everything he did that night. And, uh, and you know, I'm not sure that many kids would go back. You know, this isn't like a text chain. This is just somebody that's you know, kind of going through his phone now after after everything's wrapped up, you know, but went out of his way to say thanks, uh, you know, for, for everything that he had done through throughout the night. And I think, you know, those two little things just without the phone, but, you know, it just it kind of tells you a little bit about the character of this kid. Brendan Parker, Flames TV host, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The fan, Are they Yahooing already down yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, that's that's our friends at uh, Star Yahooing away there. There's a lot going on yeah, over here. There was someone great like job, Billy Joe. There was someone like yelling Candace, at one great point. Great job, Yahooing. Yeah, we're hearing that. There's somebody over on Jack who was Yahooing too. Like you just get a lot of that because we're on location here at the uh, Stampede right. Parade right. route. Uh, Brendan, wanted to ask you too. How cool is it to watch Matt Coronado shot in person? You know what? It's it's pretty impressive. Uh, the guy he's got some power and some pop to him and he uh and some confidence yeah i i uh, i absolutely he's impressive um there's a few guys you know yesterday that you're like okay this guy you know he's got some he's got some skating some skating ability and then there's other guys you go like look at that shot i mean it just kind of explodes off the stick um but coronado is one you know you saw that obviously when he joined the team late last year and even in, in the practices you can sense that, uh, you know, you can sense that it's all in there. And then it seems like even now coming back this year, you know, an opportunity to get into his second development camp, you know, he's come back with, uh, you know, he looks like he's in great shape. And he said that to me that, you know, he's been, pu- he's been putting in the work in the off season. 
Uh, hasn't had a lot of downtime coming off world championships, kind of went back to school. He's been working, but you can tell there's a, there's a confidence to him too. And, and uh, he's got a little, a little swagger with him. You know, I think that those world champs helped a lot uh, in terms of kind of feeling, you know, like, like he's ready for this next step. And, and, and I'm sure he got a bit of that from the practices and fitting in with the guys. But, um, but now this is, uh, this is kind of a big off season for him and it looks like he's, he's ready for it. It is a big off season for him because of the fact that Craig Conroy wants youth in that lineup. And when you think of the youth that could be on this team, Matthew Coronado is very much at the forefront. And I think he realizes that. And when we asked him about it yesterday, he mentioned that conditioning was a big thing that he wanted to see, you know, improve for him in order to be in the best possible shape for him to enter training camp later this year. I was just curious about how you felt he handled uh, some of those questions about the fact that, you know, he does, there is a potential opportunity for him to, you know, do some damage in the lineup and just have playing time there. And he went about it, you know, as not stoic necessarily, but he recognizes the opportunity. But I think he, he kind of just maybe not played it safe. Maybe there's a better way to explain it, but I'm very curious about how you thought he handled that. Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't I, I wasn't a part of the interview yesterday, but I, I did talk to him uh, on Tuesday or on Wednesday um, just about that same idea. And I think, uh, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, and I think probably the best way to put it is, um, you know, I, I think they're all aware, and I'm, and I'm sure if you went and talked to Jacob Pelche or Walker Dewar or any of those guys, um, you know, I think they're all aware that, that it's great to have opportunity, and I and I and I think they welcome that. But at the same time, you have to be able to take advantage of it. And I don't think anyone's going to put the cart before the horse. And we'll use, you know, maybe a little bit of a little bit of stampede terminology. But I, I think everybody's <laughs> yeah. also just kind of aware that you know the opportunity is only good if uh, if you seize it and you take advantage of it. And I think that's probably where that comes from. Um, you know, I think I think there is some confidence. I think he understands what's in front of him and I think and I think he believes you know wholeheartedly as he should that he belongs there and that he he deserves that spot or or that he can earn that spot and and now it's about kind of going out there and doing it and I think he's doing it the right way he's he's putting his work into the training he's putting his work into the off season uh the conditioning as you said and it's all tailored to making sure that he's going to be ready in September and he was telling me you know he's going to come back early you know, it's going to be a little bit different off the ice for him this year, too. He's got to find a place. He's got to get settled in here. And, you know, I think he's going to come back a little bit earlier than what you normally would, given it's his first full season. You know, come back kind of in, uh, in at some point in August and then start working out with flame strength and conditioning coaches. And, uh, you know, Rick Davis will help him uh, on that side of things. But then just get settled in off the ice so that when training camp hits, you know, he's ready to seize that. Uh, Brendan, what have you, uh, what's been Michael Stone's uh, role so far in the development camp? Uh, I saw him. Uh, I saw him unleash a couple clappers yesterday, and I think um, you know, a couple of <laughs> yes, he did. Shot, which is, <laughs> you know, it's shoot like me. I, was that the was yeah. that the thing? Shoot hard like me. <laughs> shoot, he, that's going to be part of uh, the next phase of development. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny because uh, I got there and I'm looking around and I couldn't even pick him out at first. There's obviously a few coaches out there, but I'm like, he's already got that coach look. It, it's it's all it's it's right there. He's got it. He he developed that quick, so good for him. Um, but he he was he came off the ice. There was a little uh, little sweat, but they were work. The coaches were working. They had some drills at the end where, you know, uh, yeah, it was kind of like some two on two, all in zone uh, small area stuff. And he was uh, he was working. So yeah, so far I think for for him, you know, it's 
uh, as he kind of mentioned to me, that he's just going to be trying to figure it all out, you know, trying to trying to watch, obviously uh, help out wherever he can. But a big part of what he's going to do going forward is to work closely with the defensemen. And I kind of joked about that with Jake Boltman yesterday, uh, former, you know, well, current you know, draft pick, but, um, you know, Notre, University of Notre Dame uh, kid. And, um, you know, he was, he was saying, like, it'll be great that they can have a kind of a closer relationship, go over, go over some film over time here as he starts to settle in. And then I joked about the slap shot, and, and he said he kind of he kind of uncorked a couple today. I'm sure. Uh, so he was ripping them around though. He he was zipping passes just like he he hadn't lost a, a touch at all. So he uh, he looked good out there. And uh, and I think more than anything, it's going to be super important for all the defensive prospects in the system to have a guy like that, fresh out of playing, um, who can offer some insight, uh, both defensive zone coverage and things like that, what they're seeing in their own zone. And then, uh, you know, maybe if they need a, some help, you know, winding up and, and letting a couple of howitzers go, I think he can he can be the guy for that, too. Brendan Parker, host uh, on Flames TV. Uh, enjoy the stampede, pal. Uh, thanks for the advice. Yeah, anytime, boys. Uh, stay away from the insects. That's all my, all right, we will. my, last, my last thought. Uh, we'll do. Thanks for this. Right. Uh, there he is, Brendan Parker on the Atlas Pizza and Sportsbook guest hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. At the top of the hour, David Pignota, editor-in-chief, the fourth period. You also hear him on Sirius XM NHL Radio. Talk some trade rumors, which is always fun because David's super dialed in. Had a tweet about Dan Vladar uh, yesterday. We'll get into that. We'll get his take on Elias Lindholm, uh, Noah Hannafin, and some other what's what's going on with Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. Is this Debrinkat thing close to getting done? Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of big names out there and still a lot to be decided. And we'll ask him, like, what? What does he think? And you asked the question to Frank, Julian. I thought it was a great one. Uh, what's the value for Michael Backlund on the trade market? That's something we can ask David Pignot if he's uh, heard anything about that. But we're here. Uh, the Stampede Parade about to go down uh, this morning. We're on location here at the corner of 9th and 3rd uh, Southwest at Turtle Park. Uh, we've been asking you. Julian and I are uh, Stampede uh, first-timers. Um, it's our first time at Stampede. Mm-hmm. Uh, we anticipate it's going to be awesome. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna go by very quickly. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're excited about Stampede, and we've been asking you at nine sixty nine sixty our text line. Give us a do and a don't for the Stampede. Uh, there's a lot of incentive behind this too. Uh, the prize today is uh, we did it yesterday and today. Uh, you'll get tickets to all ten days of the Badlands Music Festival, which is a killer, killer prize. Also, later on in the show, we're giving away a round of golf yes. four at Speargrass Such as we wrap prize. up the week. Uh, with the Speargrass Golf Show. But right now, our Sportsnet 960, the fan texturing robot, is, of course, the number one personality in the radio station, Texty McTexterson. Uh, he joins us with some of your texts. Uh, back at back at the mothership, back at the station, mm-hmm. back at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's uh, GVP and intern Shan. Um, they have uh, the responsibility of dealing with Texty this morning. Hopefully he wasn't too much of a diva, yeah. but uh, he'll be fine. Uh, what do you got for us there, Texty? Chris in Pembroke, for Stampede, do use the porta potty. Don't use the porta potty. Nudge, nudge, <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> okay, Chris in Pembroke, that's pretty good. Hey, wink, sometimes wink, nudge, in nature nudge. calls, you got to find a porta potty. Yeah, but I think he also. Regardless. Right, anyway, I know what yeah. the second part of I that know. Mm, I know what the second part well, At least know. there's. That's that's classy, by the way. <laughs> Just remember to lock the dang thing, please. That's classy. Oh. 
Ooh, yeah, there's God. nothing as uh Don't want to walk like, in know, on that. No. 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 no, no I am not uh Don't fall in. No. Yeah. This won't surprise <laughs> you. I'm not a huge fan of the porta potty and the and the uh, airplane bathroom. Well, you I'm wouldn't. Not, you would definitely. Nah. You, you, you know. know. You know me. Yeah. <laughs> you know me. You can like you, you see would. how I disinfect the studio every day. Yeah. You know what a germaphobe I am. Yeah, there's no All right. way. Chris, uh, that's a strong start. Chris yeah. and Pembroke, that's Pretty a good. very strong start. All right, keep them rolling. Wedley in Bridlewood. Oh. Do hit up as many free stampede breakfasts around the city. Don't rock Yeezys with cowboys' clothes. Okay. So yeah, no, no, you got to hit the hit up the stampede breakfast. That's the one thing. They're free. Almost all of them are free. Uh, you get your pancakes, you get your sausage, your bacon, your beans, oh. everything. Uh, what was the don't? Sorry. Don't uh, what rock, you, don't rock Yeezys. Yeah. Like, don't rock remember, Yeezys. Yeah, Gidro, Gidro. 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 Yeah, yeah, it don't. was what I thought that was. Yes. Don't rock Yeezys. Yeah, that's uh, pretty good. Wedley, uh, way to go in giving Johnny Goudreau a shot. Uh, it's, it's easy, <laughs> uh, but we appreciate that. Uh, keep them rolling. Greg in Calgary. Do stop drinking by Thursday. Don't stay up all night and take a client to a breakfast. <laughs> okay, Greg. I feel like there's going to be a lot of that this week, considering all the business people who get all you know dolled up with the Cowboys. This is here. the 10 days you can either make or break a business deal. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I don't know what my week is going to look like because I know I'm I'm doing stuff yeah, during yeah. the week and I'll, like when we have our show. Yeah. Like I'll I'll be rolling in. I'm like, I'm like let's do a show. <laughs> like I don't know how that's going to be. I'm not going to be Maddie the day after the beer league game. No. Sloppy. And that was but, just a one day. I was just mailing in Friday. Yeah. This, this is like this all is, week. Yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you Thursday, go Friday. Hard. <laughs> Gatorades and Advils. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's squeeze in two more before the break. Mike in West Hills. Do leave town and avoid the stampede at all cost and don't stay in town to save money and avoid the hordes of people. That's true too. This is a, this is I've always again. That's not well, we're not leaving town. No, no, but it is an At option. At least not immediately. It is an option for long-term Calgarians. I know you guys are your only first year here, but if for people who've been here a while who've experienced this, this is a time where you know a lot of people just say, "Hey, I'm going to leave." I'm going to have my vacation. I'm going to go yeah. to a beach. I'm okay. going to go somewhere else for 10 days. That's fair. The city, it, it is a lot for a lot of people. It, be, mm-hmm. it does become a lot. Again, uh, it, I, get, I like, especially living in, in the downtown core. I oh, yeah. like How did you like the fireworks last night? There was, well, there you didn't hear them? You didn't? No. Oh, we, were, we, oh. We, we were getting waxed at ball hockey. Oh, yeah, that's well, it, that's it, was like, it was at 11 o'clock. Were you still at ball hockey at 11 o'clock? Yeah, I don't no. know how I didn't hear it then. Well, I, I'm right by it. Like, I'm in oh, a mission okay. there. And, and I like, know you weren't sleeping at that time. No, no, no. No, you were awake. Yeah, I was watching TV. I never get yeah, exactly. into ball hockey. But, um, no, I didn't hear the fireworks. Oh. Um, uh, again. Um, if you look out your patio, you might be able to yeah, see them. Okay. Probably, Maybe. Yeah. Again, yeah, I just like how uh, busy it is. In the downtown core, a lot, a ton of people uh, rocking the cowboy gear. Patrick, as you said, uh, it's cowboy cosplay for, like, uh, 10 days. And yes, you're totally sir. Right. All right, let's get to one more. Neil in Calgary. Do the full list of food no one should ever eat. Do not touch or sit on any straw bales. They're not wet from the rain. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, they absorb. That is a great. That's a good don't. Do not sit on straw. No. Sometimes they're your only option, and when they're dry, it's fine, but when they're wet, when they're wet, no. Yeah, your pants. uh, Yeah, they just absorb. It's like a sponge. That's disgusting. (laughs) Okay. Again, that's something I didn't know about. Nope, yeah. but you will see. You will see hay bales randomly strewn throughout the city, and like, oh, I could sit there. 
Make sure it's dry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going to take the chance, Patrick. Okay, safe, safe. That's I'm a pretty just not going to roll that dice. <laughs> no. All right, uh, 8 o'clock hour straight ahead. David Pignota, Editor-in-Chief, the fourth period, Series XM NHL Radio. Uh, we're going to Yahoo some um, trade rumors. Yahoo! And uh, Adam Stanley uh, will wrap up the week with the Speargrass Golf Show Sportsnet Golf Analyst. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the Women's U.S. Open, which is going on uh, right now at Pebble Beach. Uh, Brooke Henderson in the mix, I uh, want to get his, I uh, want to ask him about that and ask him about her eyesight because I learned something on the broadcast <laughs> yesterday and I was like floored. That's so weird. By the Mountie over there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Again, Pat, Patrick doing, uh, thank you for your service. Uh, Patrick doing, Patrick like giving you the play by play of things that are going by here. Uh, we're at the corner of uh, Ninth yeah. and 3rd Southwest at uh, Turtle Park. Uh, it's the big show, Russick and Rose, no Rose, McKenzie. Patrick, too, uh, got his eyes on everything. (laughs) Sportsnet 960, the fan.